0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The five-star zone with Rico beard.
0: Welcome to another edition of the five-star zone, Rico beard and senior research manager. My man, Harold Sheldon, he joined us last year during this time. I had to bring him back again this year. Big Ten basketball getting ready for the NCAA tournament, and I guess Harold, so much going on in the Big Ten. I guess it's Purdue, and it seems like it's Purdue and everybody else until then. Purdue loses, and then you start wondering exactly what the Big Ten is going to bring in the tournament. But I'm gonna get to that in a minute. Is it my correct of thinking it right now? The Big Ten is really just kind of Purdue and everybody else, and we all just waiting to see what Zach Eady leaves on the on, on, at the table for us to eat.
1: So coming into this week, I would disagree with you, but then after Wednesday, Illinois blows a double-digit lead in the second half, loses at Penn State, because after Purdue lost to Ohio State, Illinois was only a game back, and they still play Purdue at home. So if they would have won out, they could have shared the league title with Purdue. But since they lost to Penn State the other night, that pretty much ruined their chances. I can't see Purdue losing two games now.
0: No, I, I can't either. And but but see, here's the thing about Purdue. I do wonder what they're going to bring in the tournament because now all of a sudden you're seeing the, the Fletcher lawyers of the world, like the the dead eye shooters. Man, looks like that short bench that they have. They got heavier legs. They're not hitting their shots. You can't be totally relying on E to win you a game and to score forty points. I, I look at Purdue and man, I, I like they're going to probably be the number one overall seed. They got that right before they lost their game. I just don't see a long tournament run for them. I know we still have like about three, four weeks to go for the tournament, but hell, hell help me out here. I mean, how did they not have a wash, rinse, repeat from last year? Because I'm not feeling that confident about this Purdue team.
1: So I do think adding Lance Jones has helped them a lot where last year it was just Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer. And when games got tight, you can tell that they didn't necessarily want to shoot the ball. You know, Mason Gillis would get it at the top of the key, hesitate, hesitate, pass right. it All right, our Fletcher lawyer, same thing. I don't want it. Lance Jones is a guy, you know, he played in the Valley, played at Southern Illinois Big-time scorer there and not afraid of the moment at all. Like, we've seen him in a couple games this year where Purdue was on the ropes and they needed a bucket, and it was him that was taking the shot. With no hesitation, make or miss, I can live with the result. I think having a guy like that can certainly help because they don't have many guys who can create their own shot if Edie can't get the ball. But I do think there's an issue when they can't hide Fletcher Lawyer on defense. So if they play a bunch of teams – if they play teams that have – two or three really good scoring guards. You could have Smith on one and Jones on one, but what do you do with the other one? And that's, I feel like a lot of times they'll find a Fletcher-Lawyer mismatch and just like beat that like a drum repeatedly to get them off the floor. And then when you do that, you lose your best shooter. So then that's when it gets dicey for them.
0: And then you look at the other two teams, man. I, I thought that maybe Wisconsin and Illinois were going to separate themselves, but Wisconsin can't get out their own way. I mean, hell, normally everybody in the Big Ten hits that swoon where you maybe lose two or three games. It, it happens. It's the Big Ten. But it's just like Wisconsin is just – they've lost their confidence. And I look at Illinois – and I'm, I'm looking at them as well, like especially losing to, to, to Penn State. Like, I don't think anybody even watched that game because you just assume, oh, it's Penn State and I don't care if it's on the road, you, you're going to beat them. Well, you didn't. Penn State still proved to be a house of horrors. But, yeah, when I look at these two teams, what what is going on? I mean, is it simply the fact, like, for me, I look at Illinois and I wonder if the fact I don't see a true point guard for Illinois. I, I see scores, but I don't see a guy that can just when you saw it against Penn State when things start going aside. I'm gonna get the ball. I'm gonna calm everybody down. I'm gonna tell you where to go, and we're gonna win this thing. For Wisconsin, I, I I have no idea what's going on with Wisconsin because they got the point guard. They they have all the pieces in place. I just think they forgot the they, they forgot what it takes to win, and that's how I see it.
1: No, I think that's fair. Um, with the, When it comes to Illinois, when we saw it against Michigan State, where Marcus Domask has to play point, he's not a point. So then as soon as you put pressure on him, like A.J. Hogar was able to do, you disrupt their offense. Sometimes you could just take your ball right from them, get an easy bucket out of it. And against Penn State, it was a similar thing, where like Ace Baldwin didn't give him any room to breathe, you know, kept getting a bunch of deflections. And like you said, when – they're making that run. There's no one that's like, hey, I'll bring it up. I'll get us in the right play. Right. He was just could just completely flustered the whole time and couldn't really, you know, hold on to the ball. And I think the issue for both teams, Illinois and Wisconsin, Illinois can't play defense on the road at all. Like if you look, you know, they gave up, you know, in the eighties against Penn State, 80s against Maryland, who can't score at all, 80s against Michigan State, you know, nineties against Northwestern. They've got a ton of talent, but for whatever reason, they just don't guard. And for Wisconsin, it's a similar thing where early in the year, they were making a bunch of threes, which kind of covered up for the fact that they couldn't guard anybody like they normally do. Mm -hmm. And then when they went through that swoon, they stopped making threes. Like they were down to 26, 27% when they lost five out of six, but the defense was still bad. So that's how teams like Michigan were able to beat them. Uh, We saw Purdue was able to to beat them and – you know, Wisconsin and Iowa. Iowa is another team who wound up having a big second half comeback to beat them because they just couldn't get stops. So I feel like it's going to be very matchup dependent, which it usually is in the tournament, but even more so this year, just because there are flaws that are so obvious for the three best teams in the conference. And if they run into a bad matchup early, you know, in a 4-13, 5-12 game, wouldn't be surprised if they lost.
0: Yeah, and, and then – I look at the the next tier of teams and it's, it's Northwestern, but now there's no Tiberi, which I think is going to be, you know, that's a major setback for them. Um, And then you also look at Nebraska, who I I just think is the surprise team of the year. I, I don't think anybody saw what Nebraska was going to be doing. And then you got Michigan state who I don't know what Michigan state is because all of a sudden, every time, Harold, every time I think, okay, you just beat Illinois. It was alumni day. You fixed this thing. We're ready to go. Let's go. Okay. And then you went and beat Michigan and then you fall flat on your face to Iowa. I, I don't know what the team is. I don't know. I mean, Tom looks like he's about as befuddled as everybody else. I mean, I'm like, coach, this is your team. You've recruited these players. You know what you got. Sosoko is, you know, he's, to be honest and be fair, he's going through some things. He, he you know, I think believe his grandmother passed away, somebody who was near and dear to him. And anybody who's experienced loss knows that it, it takes some time. and And I do think that maybe they brought him back too quickly. Of course, everybody's going to say, "I'm good, I'm all right," but you're not really good, and you're not really all right. And you're kind. Of, I think you're seeing that on the court where he's he's there, but he's not there. But since we're already at MSU. Harold, to me, their tournament limitation is going to go up against. We, we talked about how with Illinois and, you know, how they they can't guard on the road and how Wisconsin can't guard. And, you know, we also talked about how, you know, you, you got to be able to to play outside of your building. For Michigan State, their matchup problem is this. You go up against a team with some bigs, you're done. You're toast. I mean, when, 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 when Freeman is in foul trouble, He's going to be the freshman of the year. They got gifted two quick fouls first half, two quick fouls second half. He played a total of six minutes. And that's only because McCaffrey put him back in in the final two minutes. Other than that, he would play four minutes the entire game. You didn't need him because they still found a way to go out there and win that game. And they, it's one of those games where stats lie. MSU hits 10 three pointers. Tell me a team that hits 10 three pointers and loses by, you know, like double digits, but they did. Iowa hit four, but they were backdoor cuts. They were layups. And then I look at A.J. Hogarth and all the layups that he missed. I got a lot to say about this team, but a fresh pair of eyes. I'll listen to what you got to say about this team.
1: Yeah, I got a lot to say, too. I don't know how much time we have. but (laughs) You know what? We're going to pretend like we're in church. Take your time. All right. That'll work. That'll work. Yeah, I think they, they've they got a lot of issues for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, based off the Iowa game alone, uh, we talked about it. They missed eight layups themselves in a in game they lost by seven. Uh, you talked about the the issues with the bigs, the fact that Owen Freeman's out, and then Ben Cricky is the one who winds up killing you, and he wasn't that great during Big Ten play as it was, but it didn't seem to matter because they were able to get whatever they wanted. I think – Size-wise, not just bigs, but teams that have height across the board by the Michigan State, and you saw it when they played Wisconsin too because A.J. Store at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, playing the three, going up against Jay Nakins, who's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, playing the three, and then you have a big four and a big five as well. Iowa similar. Tony Perkins is a big guard. You know, Peyton Sanford's a big wing. And you start Creaky and Freeman, Patrick McCaffrey, like all these guys have size. All these guys have length. So you could tell what Michigan State was trying to drive in. They were bothered by some of the length, maybe overextended on some of the layups where they didn't necessarily need to. But I think the length kind of got in their head and bothered them. And then for them, you know, for Iowa, they were just easily driving by guys. And then they were able to finish over the top because of the height advantage. And so we saw that against Wisconsin, which is why they lost to them twice. We saw it against Iowa a game they were supposed to win. Um, I think they were favored by 10 and wound up losing by seven. So I think you have that issue. And when it comes to Michigan State's offense, it's pretty simple. If you keep them in the half court, they are very, very average. They have to be able to get steals. They have to be able to, to score on the break, score off the turnovers. And they're really, really good when they do that. But if you face a team that doesn't turn it over, makes you run half court and you got to you know, get – Under 10 seconds in the shot clock it's usually a a Tyson Walker bailout and it's usually not a high percentage shot. And you see Michigan state's offense really, really struggling that. Like if you look numbers wise in their wins, they average 19 points off turnovers per game. That's down to nine in their losses. You know, like it's, it's, it's pretty apparent And Iowa, you know, only turned it over five times against them. So they weren't able to get out and get easy buckets.
0: Yeah. Cause I'm looking at the MSU team and, yeah,
1: I I thought that maybe
0: because you know Malik Hall, and I equated it to when it was the tournament run when the light switch just clicked on for Darrell Summers and Darrell okay. Summers became the player that everybody always dreamed that he would be. Malik now going out here, almost averaging twenty points a game. He's really, I mean, you see the confidence in him. Like he's not thinking anymore. He's not worried about the injuries that he's had all his career he's actually being a good Robin for Tyson and so much so that there's some games where he's the Batman and he tells Tyson, you know what? You could feed off of me. Just get me the ball. And, and it's like, you know, against Illinois. Cause I remember I asked him in the locker room, like, Malik, you know, what was it like to know that on, on that one of those final drives, the play was for you, not for Tyson. He was like, man, that's something you dream about playing in your backyard. You want to be the guy to take that shot. You see the confidence there. But here, I think you're right. Is it does come down to matchups and and they they're they're stagnant in their offense, which is always amazed me because it's always never changed it. You would have thought okay. that at some point, it's like everybody knows the three-man weave that they're about to run. Weave, weave, weave. They hope to catch you asleep. And and I'm and I'm and I guess what I'm saying is when when it comes to the Big Ten, you probably get six teams in the tournament, which is a down year. Because every years when you've had close to nine or 10 teams, you're only going to get six. Is it something that maybe playing out of conference can help them and advance further? Because we shouldn't still be talking about Mateen Cleese was the last big 10 player to lead a big 10 school. I'm not counting Maryland because Maryland was in the ACC when they won, but yeah, Cleese. And and, and I'm going to really drive the point home to people. Dizzo is recruiting Cleve's son, and Cleve's son could be at MSU in two years. That's how long it's been. We're going on year 24, and it's not just an MSU thing. It's a Big Ten thing. What what can the Big Ten do to, to snap this streak? And you've seen, you know, Villanova winning multiple times, UConn winning multiple times, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Baylor, But it just seems like the Big Ten, the best they could do is get to the title game, maybe a Final Four, but don't ask them to do anything after that.
1: Yeah, I think for the most part, the Big Ten, especially recently, has been a big man's league, and that just doesn't win in the tournament. You have to have multiple pro guards. And we've seen the teams that have gotten to the championship game from the Big Ten recently. You know, whether it was Michigan, they had multiple pro guards. You know we've seen Ohio State get there with with Mike Conley, and he was a pro guard. Like we've yeah. seen, uh, you know, Wisconsin they got there with multiple pros. I know they didn't have necessarily a pro guard, but they had a national player of the year who was more. He wasn't a back to the basket big. Like there, they have to be usually have to have multiple pros on your team in order for it to work. And we've seen Baylor, we've seen UConn, we we've seen you know, North Carolina, these are guys who have had multiple pros. And for whatever reason, the big 10 just hasn't done a great job of getting multiple pros on their teams. Uh, I think there are a lot of great coaches. And I think the fact that they all play similar hurts them in the tournament as well there. You don't, you won't see a lot of teams that, that trap and press. You won't see a lot of teams that, you know, just junk it up all over the court where you get used to seeing it and then you get in the tournament and some second-round game against a team that you're not familiar with on a short prep and then they throw this stuff at you and you're like, oh, man, I haven't seen it. I don't know what to do now. Right. Pretty much all the Big Ten teams play the same on defense. You know, they, they, they play off. They try to keep you out of the lane. We might double you a little bit in the post, but outside of Penn State and maybe Maryland, no one's really getting into you 94 feet. No one's trying to press and trap you. And so a lot of times guards get comfortable. You know, oh, I can just come in my set, set the offense up, run my usual stuff, get my, my easy shots. Down,
0: Twenty seconds, yeah.
1: Yep. And then when the tournament comes, you're usually facing more athletic guards and longer guards, and then they're getting you out of your stuff. And now you're like, oh man, I don't know what to do. Cause I haven't seen it for two months, three months. So I think there's multiple reasons, but I think not having great guards and not being able to see the the multiple defenses that you'll see in the tournament have really been an issue. So
0: you heard it here. Harold is telling you Big Ten will not make another title. They won't win it again this year. I, I mean, I don't see it. I mean, if, if I'm joking, but with Purdue is their best chance, and I don't see Purdue going up against – uh, you know, uh, uh, Kansas or Houston or any of those teams, UConn, and really getting it done. And even though UConn got their doors blown off by Creighton, it's college hoops. No, no, those those games are going to happen. You're on the road; it happens. But just consistently speaking, it's, I, I don't know if there's a team like you know what. And 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 let me get to this, and then I'm going to ask you this question. I want to get back to Nebraska because I, I I kind of teased it. This team is is they're fun to watch. They are. They really Tomiaga is you know he he when he goes Steph man just there's nothing. This is when you look at your coach and say what do what, what you want me to do, coach? Yeah. I, I, I picked him up at half court and he shot it from the other side of the court yep. and made. Like when he's on, man, he's fun to watch. Like watch him and Boo Booey are two guys that when they want to take over a game. There's really nothing you can do. There's nothing you could say. You you could just hope that they miss some shots because when they're on fire, it's like the old NBA Jams game, man. They're truly on fire.
1: Yeah, no doubt. They, they're a ton of fun to watch. And, you know, I really hope they do make it. It's been 10 years since they've been in the tournament. So uh, we've been kind of waiting for Fred Hoiberg to kind of get this thing going and you know, we saw what he did at Iowa State, and he relied on the portal and they would run up and down and score a bunch of points. And you realize in the big 10, that doesn't quite work. You got to play some defense. So they started to figure that out. They slowed it down a little bit, but they still have great shooters, like you mentioned with Tomanaga. They getting rink masked out of the portal, who's a stretch big for them who right. can shoot. And last night, well I should say Wednesday night when they played Indiana, they go up 20 in the first half in assembly hall, Indiana winds up coming all the way back to cut it to three and you're like, "Yeah, oh, man, you can't blow this. Like you haven't won a big 10 road game. Like you're trying to get in the tournament as a game you can't lose. But then they had guys like Juwan Gary and Jamarcus Lawrence make plays for him. So it was not just Tominaga. It's not just Rick Mass. They have four or five guys who can make plays for them and they're all older. And so I think it certainly helps when you get in environments like that they're not gonna be scared at the moment and so when you have you know, four or five guys who can shoot threes at different positions they, they could be tough to beat which is why we, we've seen them you know they blew out purdue at home you know like we've seen them win at kansas state by 15 like they right. you know they beat michigan state at home they beat wisconsin at home and came back from down 18 to do it so They're certainly not afraid at the moment. If they get the right matchups, I think they could, you know, maybe win a game or two. And, uh, you know, they're just – the way their style is just really difficult to play against.
0: Harold, I'm talking with Harold Sheldon. He works at the BTN. Harold, I do appreciate your time. I got a couple more questions. One, now I know we we don't have what the tournament is going to look like, but let's just assume that the teams that we've talked about today, uh, between Purdue and Illinois and – you know, MSU, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. They make the tournament. Of those six teams, not just kind of blind, rapid fire, which team do you think would go the furthest? Not knowing who they're going to play, but just is built to go the furthest in the tournament as of right now.
1: I think Purdue probably still gets my vote. And I think – The locations are going to help them this year because even though they were a one seed last year, they had to play out in New York. They didn't really have as much of a crowd. if they wind up getting into some kind of matchup where it's tighter than it should be for a while, first two rounds are in Indianapolis. So they're going to have home crowd there that might help them get over the hump. And then they're going to be in Detroit after that pretty short drive for that. Two hours drive. Yeah. So – You know we've seen them when they've had some of these losses it's usually been pretty far away where they haven't had the crowd to push them over the top and i remember a wisconsin team that made the championship game in 2015 where they were playing oregon that had joseph young at the time and they were giving them the blues in the first half i mean they were doing whatever they wanted and the crowd absolutely helped wisconsin get back in that game because they played in milwaukee and sometimes that's what you need like you if for whatever reason, it's just a bad matchup or you don't have it going, and you're down 10, you're down eight, sometimes yeah. all you need is a little bit of a boost to get you going, gets the crowd in it. The other team three, yeah, yeah, And you know how it is in college basketball, that momentum starts going. So I think the location could certainly help them this year where it hasn't in previous years. And again, they're gonna be a one. I highly doubt they lose to 16 again. I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen a team do it twice. No. No. Uh, but then, you know, once you get to the Sweet 16 after that, you know, you kind of see what happens from there. But I think just getting out of that first weekend will help them a lot mentally. You just because yeah. you don't have to hear the whole, oh, well, here we do, here it goes again. Like Purdue against uh, another double-digit seed, and they can't get it done. I think you get yeah. past that mentally, you can just play basketball. And you know what, Uh, statistically speaking,
0: and you could probably appreciate this, but if you had to choose a number one team to not make it out the first weekend, you know who you would select? Who's that? UConn. Because the reigning champion hasn't made, I don't think the reigning champions made it out the first weekend in like a long time.
1: Now, you're the research guy. I have to look that up, yeah. That, that sounds right on surface. It certainly sounds right on the surface. I
0: thought, because I was like, no, Villanova did. But no, Villanova won the title and then lost to Wisconsin in the second round. And yeah. then the next year, they came back and won the title. And yes, before you say, well, were they were one seed? Yes, they were one seed when they lost to Wisconsin in the 8-9 game in the second round. So believe it or not. One of the hottest teams out there, UConn. If you had to put money on, it's probably the one team that you would say won't make it out the tournament. Which is ironic enough because in a lot of projections, it's that's MSU's bracket, right? And I'm like, that's that. That's all Izzo needs to just jack up his ego and the whole you know Mr. March type of thing. Exactly. Right, let's go to the other side because there's been a lot of conversation here in the Detroit market. What does Michigan do with Juwan Howard? They're sitting there at the bottom of the Big Ten, a place that they haven't been dead last. It shocked me when I heard these numbers, but I want to say it was 1967 was the last time that they would finish last in the Big Ten in hoops. You would think with Brian Ellaby and then Tommy Amaker. no, No, they never finished dead last like they were about to. He appears to be a man who knows that his job is safe. You don't see a sense of urgency. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be funny, but I saw more fire coming out of Juwan in a Wisconsin handshake line than I do playing your rivals at home where man, it's almost like, Juwan, are you high? Are you even listening to... He's saying, well, the crowd was great. and Juwan, they were chanting, go green, go white. Right? When your point guard was on the line, they were chanting, do your homework. Your crowd was not great, not for you, but he's like, oh, the crowd was great. And, you know, maybe it was the players. It just he's drawn up plays like at the final three minutes of the game. State basically was waiting for him them to file to play the foul game. And they said, well, let's just bleed the clock. And they bled the clock. MSU didn't make a basket Mm-mm. until Tyson Walker got fouled. The score stayed the same. He didn't call timeouts. And then finally, with like 33 seconds left, he goes over to the whiteboard and draws up a play. And I'm thinking, Juwan, do you have an 11-point play that you're about to draw up? Because if so, you're wasting your talents in Michigan. You should be in the NBA. What, what is Michigan supposed to do with this? Is Because it's eroding away. I can't even say it's a blip on the radar because you had two NBA lottery picks and Hunter Dickinson And you didn't make the tournament last year. And now, you know, Kamwa broke his wrist. So any chance that you had of running the table in the Big Ten tournament is gone. You got a point guard who is the definition of half pregnant. He's half suspended. He only plays at home games, but not on the road. What do you do with this team? Because I don't even see a gigantic recruiting class coming in for him next year.
1: And that last part is the one that shocks me because I figured he would be a guy with NBA ties, Fab Five ties, all that stuff, that he would be able to get guys in. And it looked like early on that was the case. But, you know, 2021, which isn't that long ago, like, they were number one seed in the tournament. They were in the Elite Eight. They lost to the 11 seed UCLA. And it's been all downhill ever since. And like you said, they had Bufkin with Jet Howard, with Hunter Dickinson, couldn't make the tournament. You try to get Terrence Shannon in through the portal, doesn't happen. The following year, you try to get Caleb Love in for through the portal, doesn't happen. You know you have restrictions in terms of guys that you can get in. So I feel like that kind of caps what your portal recruiting looks like. So if you don't have high school recruits that you can build off of, it's going to be really hard to win there because it's just clearly it's hard to get guys in through the portal. Yeah. So it's just really curious to see what's gonna happen there. And again, I think like I think Terrence Reed can be a good player for them. Um, but Doug McDonald, you're like, will he even be able to go to Minneapolis for the tournament? Like that's an end. Well, no, no. I, I think his punishment is up tonight. Okay. Well,
0: when they play Northwestern. That's the last away game. And then after that, he'll be able to play in those games. So yeah, because we were wondering, like, for the MSU game, technically it's a road game, but you could go to class that day, hop on the bus, and make it to campus. You know, it's right. only a 40-minute drive between the two places. But I, I look at this, and I have no idea what's going on. I mean, he had the altercation with um, with the uh, strength and conditioning coach Sanderson guy who's been there for a long time. Like the, Michigan won't really say what happened, but it sounded as if it was an argument that may or may not have gotten into a little bit of a shoving match. Um, You know, I think they had the built-in, you know, excuse of like when he had the heart thing, like, okay, maybe this is the time for you to set aside. But, hell, for me, I questioned what the future was when they played Penn State at the Palestra. And he uh, it was a tip of the hat, but it was like, OK, Phil Martelli is going to be the coach. He's from that area. OK, I look at that as like being an honorary captain. You can go out there for the coin flip and do all of that stuff. But late in the game, Juwan was on the outside of the huddle. Phil Martelli was coaching that team. The game was not out of hand. I, I, I want to say like, I think Michigan was down by like four points. And I said, did did, Ju, did Juwan just do? The one thing that every singer tells you never to do, and that's to give up the microphone, Mm -hmm. because he just gave up the microphone to Phil Martelli. And at that point, I was like, I I don't know. I don't know who this man is. I don't know what he's trying to do. But, yeah, listening to his press conferences and he's just overly has glee and joy. And it's like, dude, your team is complete ass. They're horrible. And you just keep acting as if you don't see what we all are seeing. I said, I think he's coming back. Now, people are like, man, you crazy. You trolling I'm like, he sounds like it's a lot like, I don't know how close you follow, but like Troy Weaver, the Pistons general manager here. Troy sounds like a man who he knows I'm not about to be fired. So I can admit to you that I've made mistakes. And that's just Juwan right now. I I don't see Juwan walking away, and I don't see him being fired. I see Juwan, he's talking about next year. So, to me, Ward Manuel comes out and was like, guys, what are you talking about? I haven't even thought about Juwan Howard not coming back next year. So, from an outside perspective, what do you see?
1: I thought the whole situation was weird from the jump. Obviously, I know he had the health issues, but, you know, they start out 3-0, and they win at St. John's, they look pretty good doing it. You know, Doug McDaniel looks great. Offense is humming. Then they go to Atlantis. Then he, Juwan, like, kind of comes back, but not really. He's on the bench. During he got tossed out the, the game, and he didn't coach. Right. Like, yeah, you're getting the tech at the half of a game that you're not coaching, but you're still there, and Martelli's still the guy. And, like, both of you were standing up, and both of you were, you know, calling stuff from the sideline. So I just thought all of that was weird to begin with. Then you start losing games you shouldn't to like Long Beach State. Then you get to January, the McDaniels suspension happens. And like you said, half pregnant and only playing at home, not playing on the road. And it just seems like offensively, they don't really run a ton. Defensively, they don't really guard anybody. And I just, from what we've seen from John line for years and years and years, To go from that to this has been, you know, pretty staggering. Um, And, again, it was literally three years ago where they were a one seed, mostly with B-Lines players, but they were a one seed, and they were one shot away from making the Final Four again. And you go from that to last in the Big Ten in three years. I don't know how you fix it. I agree with you where it seemed like it could have just been a clean slate of, hey, you know, I'm having – health concerns I'll step away and you know we can give it to the next guy whether that's Martelli or you hire from the outside but it, the whole thing's been been really really weird and like you said even the press conferences have been weird like he's they lose by 30 at Illinois and he's thanking the media for Terrence Shannon saying you're welcome because obviously they couldn't get him in, in right. Ann Arbor so he wanted to go to Illinois instead and it's just kind of like why would you say something like that after you know, losing by 30. so yeah the behavior has just been really weird throughout uh like I wish I had more insight to it than that no
0: no it's not I just, look I I I like to get the outside perspective because it's like oh well you know you just like bashing him and it's like I don't have to I could just show you what he's doing he just right i I have no idea what this man is doing or what he's saying like yeah I mean when I listen to his press conference, and uh, one of our writers uh, and I work with, Mojo, was even asking, like, hey, you know, have you thought about maybe stepping down? He was like, hey, those are your words. You don't know my story. And it's like, this guy ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. But when he sat there and said, well, you know, we had a great crowd. And it was like, Juwan, that was an embarrassing. If I'm in Chrysler, that's an embarrassing crowd. Yep. I mean, this I-, I couldn't imagine... Uh, you know, being at the Breslin Center and hearing, you know, the entire crowd chanting Boiler Up or chanting out I-L-L, I-N-I, like, it was loud. Right. You heard it through the TV so much so that when uh Holloman, I think it was Holloman, went for a three-point shot and Jimmy Jackson was like, man, if they hit this shot, the roof was going to blow off. And then they was like, wait a minute, who's the home team here? Right. Like that's how bad it was, so I I, I don't know. So yeah, I just, even
1: Malik Hall commented on that and said, like, yeah, you definitely heard, you know, green, go green, go white chants throughout, and you heard some of the go blues, but you know they didn't really hit the same. You know they had to say that, but it clearly wasn't the same kind of volume. So you hearing that from the players themselves too?
0: Oh yeah, at the end of the game, they they chant, they they AJ is going like this to the crowd, like get up and they. But at that point, the Michigan fans had already left. So yeah. I just I just wanted to get your opinion on that, talking about the back end of the conference and and, and Juwan Howard, because that's just hell, that that one's just strange. So, but hey, right now it looks like six teams. I mean, Iowa could be teetering, maybe being that seventh team to get a spot. I think the win against Michigan State will help them out. They would probably need to win at least two maybe three games in the big 10 tournament i think for them to, to solidify a spot but it looks like it's going to be six going into the tournament which is a down year for the big 10 man we, we got a lot to talk about over the next four weeks Harold. so if you got time man let's do this again same bad time same bat channel.
1: yeah I'll definitely, definitely.
0: You up for that reference <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i know about it i know about it but uh yeah i I think iowa Rutgers are probably the two teams if there's Someone to try to break into that six, like I think it's between those two. Like you said, Iowa still got Illinois twice, right. so they got a chance to stack up some more wins, some more quiet ones. See what happens there. And then Rutgers been a totally different team ever since Jeremiah Williams came back, won four out of five. So they can I, keep I, that right.
0: Rutgers is it, it's politics and reputation. Rutgers is not yeah. a powerhouse team, so they won't get the benefit of the doubt. Whereas Iowa's like, okay, we know Iowa, and they've had players before. But, yeah, now Rutgers next year, that's going to be a whole different story.
1: Mm-hmm. We're
0: going to be talking about them at the top of the show rather than the bottom of the show. Exactly. Harold, appreciate your time, man. We'll be back next week talk some more Big Ten hoops. But until then, keep liking, subscribing, and telling your friends about the Five Star Zone. For Harold Shelton, I'm Rico Beard. See you guys next week.